Hi, you're listening to Mastering Money, where we explore the many aspects of good financial decision-making. I'm Doretta Thompson, financial literacy leader for Chartered Professional Accountants of Canada. We provide no-cost programs and free online resources that help Canadians own their finances and learn the language of money. This season, we're looking at the future of work, where we will dive into hot-button topics like how interest rates and inflation will impact our everyday, how to prepare ourselves and our children for the speed of change that's altering everything from how we get paid to the AI technologies that might replace our jobs. Today's topic is future-proofing your career, and I'm joined by Pat Romaine, who leads the Career Transition and Career Management Outplacement practice at Gallagher. Pat's been a force in the world of talent management and career transitions for more than 15 years. Pat, welcome to Mastering Money. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So before we begin, you should tell us a little bit about yourself and your career. A little bit about myself. I am from the Caribbean <laughs> and I've grew up in the Caribbean. I went to school there and I moved to Canada maybe 20 plus years ago. I don't want to date myself too much. I actually came to Canada. I fell in love with Canada on a summer vacation with some cousins and stayed and started working here actually some time ago. I fell into the business world, if I can put it like that. I studied business administration in a school. I came here, I worked a little bit in marketing, worked a little bit in consulting, and I decided to kind of look at executive and career coaching because I was very much attracted to working with people, advising people, consulting with people on their career. I remember the time that I decided to do that. That's the only thing I wanted to do, which is career coaching and making sure that people got to the next step when it comes to their career. And from there, I fell into career transition and I continued in that sense in growing in my career within the career transition and career management field. So for our listeners, can you tell us exactly what is meant by transition services, career transition? So career transition services are, you know, services or programs or resources, a set of resources that organizations provide to individuals who are either seeking to transition from one career to another, one job to another within the organization, or most commonly is the job is being eliminated or a position is being eliminated and this is offered to people so that they can have a very successful change and find something else. So the service really aims to help people identify new career paths, go and get necessary skills when it comes to the knowledge of navigating the job market during that transition, quote unquote, transition process. So anything and that is offers in this type of services or programs are things like career counseling, skilled assessment and development, resume cover letter, which is a big thing, support when it comes to that, interview preparation, job search support, kind of looking at what the market has available, networking opportunities. That's what we mean when we, we talk about career transition. So basically you work with people who've been downsized or lost their jobs. Exactly. Exactly. That's the big chunk of what we do for sure. Okay. So what advice would you give somebody who's working in a job that they like right now, but they can see that their employer's facing challenges or their industry is facing challenges. And we're seeing so much of this up kind of upheaval now. And, and I think people are 
sort of watching the horizon a little bit with a little bit of trepidation. What would you say to them to do? Are there ways you can make yourself more valuable to your company, less likely to get cut? I mean, we can never predict or control the situation when it comes to when we see organizations going through challenges, because really it doesn't depend on us as a, the employee, or sometimes it doesn't even the manager, your direct manager might not even have control of the whole situation. But one thing that I always like to share with people is that you have control and you can control you, you can control your brand, you can control your career. So even if you're seeing a lot of changes within an organization, you're seeing them go through challenges, whether you remain in the same organization or you go to another organization, the best thing to do is always to prepare yourself and prepare your brand, making sure that you assess your skills, your entrance, taking time to reflect on the skills that we acquired, the interests that we have currently, the different values, identifying some of our strengths and expertise. Start working on them within the job that we have right now and kind of looking for more projects or looking at what's, you know, what are some gaps that we can bridge within the organization because there's a lot of changes and a lot of uh, challenges. I'm sure there's a lot of projects and other aspects that you know they're asking for help or asking for people to put pitch in. Another thing I say is always to network. That's the second thing, most important thing. For all the years that I've worked in career transition, specifically with career support, networking is always going to be the number one thing that I recommend people to do after looking at their skills and interests and, and identifying these things is to start networking both in person and online, attending industry events, start having those conversations, start putting yourself out there and kind of opening the doors because we never know. And even when we're in a position where nothing's happening, everything's great, we're happy, there's no challenges, we continue to network. That's one thing we never should stop doing. And then also a third thing that I would say is to seek additional training, education, any certificates, anything that can bridge a gap within our skills, that's a third thing, and preparing for interviews, preparing to have those conversations. That's the fourth thing that I would say that people should start doing. And doing that and making sure that you're ready, you know what interests you, you know what are the skills and what you bring to the table, you have opened your network, you have started talking to people, having conversation. I think the confidence comes there and then you feel that you you know that you're still in charge of your brand, you're still in charge of of your career. And that kind of alleviates that uncertainty a little bit. So seek opportunities to sort of be visible, take part of place mm -hmm. inside your company, never neglect your network, get out there yes. and, and work your network at, look for education opportunities to sort of bring up any gaps in your preparation and then sort of being ready for interview things. Exactly. And even in the networking piece, there are some organizations and I, I speak to a lot of organizations, there is some challenges in one department, but another department is growing and booming. So networking internally. A lot of people forget to do that, making sure that your manager can introduce you to another manager in another department where your skills might be interesting for them as well. Or just having conversations for the sake of conversations, that is really a great way to start for sure. I'm interested in talking, and, and you mentioned brand, being aware of your brand. And we hear brand thrown about even more these days, you know, when we talk about it, brand in the terms of influencers and all of that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. When you're talking about someone's brand, 
What do you mean by that? And how should people be thinking about their brand? So when I'm talking about the person's, your personal or professional brand, I'm actually talking about the whole person. (laughs) Just like an influencer, you have to think about yourself that way as well, is looking at not your professional acumen, your resume, your LinkedIn, even your Instagram, your social channels, how you represent yourself out there. That's what I'm talking about when I talk about brand. But it's also, it's not just that, but it's also when you go to an event, how do you bring yourself to that event? How do you share who you are as a professional and as a human in general? So that's what I'm talking about when it comes to your brand. Now it's a little bit further than just your resume and your LinkedIn. It's it's very all-encompassing of who you are as a professional. And that's what you, know, you want to manage when it comes to your brand. We've heard stories of you know organizations kind of looking at your, not just your LinkedIn, but also your Instagram, also your Facebook, and having those conversations with different individuals before they hire these individuals around their social media, for example. And so all of that is all encompassing for sure. That's very interesting. So you're talking about really putting yourself forward in mm-hmm. looking for opportunities, etc. One of the things though, that we're hearing a lot about now is quiet quitting, which yeah. is kind of the opposite of that. How does that fit into what you're seeing? So, I mean, people who are quiet quitting are people who are, it took them a while to get there. So I'm always looking at it with an understanding lens because for they don't get there just because they're tired or anything like that. It always has to do with not just the job and the work that they're doing, but maybe, you know, the environment that they're doing the work. So people are disengaged and they have tried to change the situation many times and have hit a wall and they're even more disengaged. And that's what I I look at when I look at quiet quitting. I always try, and I know that it's hard to say it when you're very happy with your job and you're engaged and things like that, to give counseling or coaching to someone who is in that stage of their career where they're quietly quitting, where they're no longer putting themselves forward or they're unhappy, you know, kind of doing an assessment. That's what I recommend to people in this situation. Do an assessment to see how you can get yourself back to being engaged with your position, with your job, get yourself back to being excited and motivated with the work that we do. And a lot of times it has to do, some people decide to go to another opportunity, go to another job because they don't see any avenue to change that. And some others find different ways to stay motivated. A lot of things change in organizations. And sometimes we do not have control of that. Some organizations, for example, I was talking to someone, their organization was acquired and they got thrown into the organization. All these changes, technology changes, political changes, manager changes, and they felt that they were lost everything. Basically, they lost power. They don't understand how things are. So they quietly started kind of backing off. And there is a decision to be made by that person where they have to decide, do I uh, learn and approach this in a different way, open my mind to this new way of doing things within the organization because the organization I knew before no longer exists? Or do I find another opportunity? We always have the decision. We can always make the decision when it comes to what we want for ourselves within our career in some way, shape or form for sure. But I always try to counsel people and coach people when it comes to 
quietly quitting to go about it a different way. Because when we do that, we hurt ourselves more than we hurt the organization or anything else. Uh, because it is our career, it is our brand. So that's one of the things that I, I always talk about. Sure. Yeah, it can kind of backfire on mm-hmm. you because then you've got a reputation. Exactly, for... exactly, exactly. Whether we want it or not, the, our reputation when it comes to working and our professional acumen, specifically right now, our reputation precedes us when it when it comes to work. Right. Mm-hmm. So if I see the handwritings on the wall and I'm, I'm pretty sure that, you know, something going down with my organization and the end is near, so to speak, what are the things I should be doing right now? So the first thing to do is to start networking, to start having those conversations in actual inviting people to conversations, coffee chat, maybe once a week, you know you have on your calendar uh, a conversation with someone, a networking event, just to kind of poke out there, look at to see what's going on in the market through our network, through the people that we know. Because when we start looking at opportunities, it's the reviving our network, Looking at what's out there in the market is usually, it usually takes a little bit of time. So starting with that is very, very important for sure. And what if I'm okay to go? If I sort of think, hmm, maybe it's time in a package would be nice. How do I signal that to my employer? So that's something that I've seen quite a few times. People who are, you know, they announce something's happening in the organization. And sometimes they do share that their packages are available for people who actually want. First, I would say uh, to that person to assess the reasons why they want to go before approaching your employer or HR. Make sure that your reasons are clear. Make sure that you understand your own reasons because it's, especially after 20, 25 years, 10, 15 years of working in one organization, even five years, a work that we do is very important to us. And even though intellectually we might say, okay, I'm ready. It's time for me to move on. But emotionally you need to be ready as well. So that, you know, there is going to be that grieve period that you're going to have to do, even if you decide to leave, but making sure that your reasons are clear, you know, that you're, it's not dissatisfaction for the current job. You, you want to be confident in your decision and make sure that you're able to communicate that. Again, number two would be reviewing the company policies, even before talking to HR or to our manager, making making sure that, you know, you're well aware of what the package would look like, what voluntary separations would look like, you know, any guidelines that they gave that should you should be aware of for eligibility for the package or benefits or anything that they're offering making sure that you choose the right time to initiate a conversation. We don't want to initiate a conversation where there's uh, you know, a lot going on. There's a urgent project and things like that. We want to make sure that you initiate the conversation and where there's a little bit of a lull and then schedule your meetings with your manager and with HR to make sure that you share all of that for sure in a professional and respectful way. Highlighting, of course, the value that the, you bring to the organization that you brought to the organization to, throughout the tenure of the person for sure. And how would you like your transition to go and to smoothly transition out of the organization? 
organization. Negotiating the terms of the package, all of that should be in the conversation as well. But never forgetting to stay professional, stay respectful, but getting everything in writing. (laughs) We always want to do that after the conversation happens. So those are the points that I would share if someone is in a space where they're, they're ready to go and they see that there's opportunity to do that for sure and their package is being given. Before, when we were doing our sort of pre-meet for this conversation, you'd mentioned that you'd gone through some transitions yourself in the course of your career early and a little later. And I'm wondering, what did you learn about yourself during that process? So the first time I was let go, the position was eliminated. This was maybe my first job in Canada, actually. (laughs) My first corporate job in Canada, you know, early 20s. I was a little bit in shock. I was very much in shock. I took it very personally, which I don't recommend people do. That's always the first thing that I share with people not to do because it's never personal. But at such a young age and my first four into corporate, you know, I was looking for reasons. Maybe there's something wrong or my work ethic or whatever it is, but that wasn't it at all. One of the biggest lessons that I've learned is to take the time to reevaluate my career, kind of look at my skills, look at where I want to go. Because for me, that was a tipping point to continuing and kind of growing to the coaching, the executive coaching piece and the foray into what I do now, for sure. So that was a very, very big piece for me to kind of take a step back, reflect, where do I want to go? What do I want to do? It took quite a, a while to do that. And right now I can talk about it and it makes sense. It didn't make sense before. <laughs> and another thing is there are a lot of emotions, making sure that, okay, if you're going to cry, cry. If you're going to be upset, be upset. Anger, all of the range of emotions come into it. That's just part of being human and just going with that and making sure that we take care of ourselves throughout the process. So those are the two big things that I learned, especially at the beginning when I was like, go the first time. The second time I was already in career transition. So I know that this is the business of the business. (laughs) So that was very, very different. And I would still have now looking back, I should have taken a little bit more time for myself and maybe gone a couple of vacations. But when you're in a situation like that, I know financials, that's the first thing in your mind. So I understand when people are like, okay, I have to go and look for another job right away. Cause I don't know. And I don't know the future. I don't know if my next set is gonna survive, you know, how many months of looking for a job. So being, having been there, I definitely understand people who kind of jump in right away because this is what I did the second time around, but taking a little bit of time would have been good as well. And another thing, even if not looking at full-time opportunities or there are no full-time opportunities available, looking at consulting opportunities, contracting opportunities, that's something else that I I would have kind of given a little bit of worry into for sure. What's the most surprising thing do you think that people face when they go through a job change? I mean, you must see many, many people go through this process. What is it that surprises them the most? The mixed emotions 
That's what surprises people the most. Some people expect to feel relieved. A lot of people expect to feel relieved right away. And some people expect to be angry and they are not. So everybody reacts the way that they react, but they are always surprised because the emotion that they thought that they would have or not non-emotion to the situation it just doesn't ha never happens that way. Every single time, people are very, very surprised by the emotions and the ebbs and flow of the emotion, excitement or feeling relieved and then being sad about leaving the job, even if it's their own decision, leaving colleagues behind, things like that. The fear of the unknown, you know, that's something that people are surprised by as well. Even if they know I'm leaving this position, there's another opportunity around the corner in their mind but still it's for them it's something that's very hard to kind of look into for sure until it happens and another thing that i've seen people be surprised by is the uh, imposter syndrome that they feel people sometimes feel they feel very how can i say secure in the position in the organization that they work in right now especially when it's been you know 15 20 years but looking at other opportunities in other organizations. Sometimes they don't feel deserving of the new opportunity. Sometimes they worry that they won't measure up, up to their new colleague standard. For example, sometimes they worry, will my new colleagues like me even? You know, that simple. So that's, that's another big thing that I've seen that people are very surprised by when they get out of a position and into looking into what's next. So let's talk about the job search world then, because that is what comes next, whether you can create a space for yourself, as you say, to kind of feel all the feels and sort of prepare for the next step. What does the job search world look like now? Is it similar to what it's been, you know, in the last decade? Have there been dramatic changes? What's it like out there? It's very different and the same. <laughs> so I was talking about networking. Networking is never going to go away because we're human, we're people. That's just the way it is. We love talking to people. We love connecting. We love looking. Even if we're the biggest introvert in the world, that's just how people are. So I would say networking is here to stay forever. What I've seen when it comes to change is mostly technology. You know, obviously LinkedIn has taken over how you look for a job. Everything is posted on LinkedIn lately. And, you know, other job boards like Indeed, Glassdoor, things like that are, you know, looking at these opportunities there, obviously, are something that I've seen. Social media has played a big role as well, not just with job boards like LinkedIn and, and kind of networking that way, but networking on Facebook. I've seen people kind of get in touch with other people through Facebook and then move on to LinkedIn, you know, friends talking to each other and then kind of sharing opportunities that way. Instagram, things like that, the different social platforms are really changing the world of networking for sure. And another big item that I've seen change is the applicant tracking systems out there where we rely a lot of the, on them to make sure that, you know, jobs are managed, applications are managed. So every single organization, unless it's a very small organization, maybe that has one or two people working there, every single organization nowadays, they use an applicant tracking software to manage 
scan, filter resumes. So that's a big change on how people apply for jobs through those systems. And then again, another change is remote work opportunities. Advancement in technology has helped us get to that. And of course, we had COVID that kind of sprung us into that as well. And we're still in limbo right now with organizations that want everybody to come back, organizations that don't really care, people that want to come back, people that don't want to come back to full in-office work. But remote work opportunities is still one of the big things and conversations happening. And we don't know where that's going to go yet, but we're still there for sure. So those are the changes that I've seen when it comes to looking for the big changes, I would say. You know, video interviews, all of that. I was coaching an individual the other day, and even though she mentioned that they shared with her that the office is three days a week, but the whole process of being hired is being done virtually still. They just do video interviews and throughout the whole process, and they onboard her virtually, and then she'll come to the office three times a week. So that's still something that we have to make sure that we're still aware of. And I it's going to stay that way or not, we don't know. But for now, that's how it is, for sure. One of the things that I've read about, which really kind of made me sit up and take notice, was that the use of how AI is going to impact HR departments, and that actually having AI to do sort of resume, preliminary resume assessment, screening, all of that kind of stuff, so that not all resumes even get looked at by a person. Mm -hmm. You know, I've heard about that. When it comes to AI, I'm still looking at what's going on. <laughs> you know, I love the chat GPTs and everything. But for now, when I'm looking at AI, I see as a way for it to make us more efficient as workers, especially the, in the HR world. So it might be an extension of those applicant tracking system where you know, the resume is going to be looked at a little because right now the applicant tracking systems are just a way to manage the influx of resumes and kind of sort them out. And uh, keywords are sprung in there, but it really isn't what people thought it was and what people think it is where the applicant tracking system chooses who they're they'll put in front of the HR or the manager or any or the hiring committee. It might get to that because of AI. And that's what I'm seeing when I'm reading all of these articles like you're doing, AI kind of sorting through resumes, sorting through those keywords and kind of disseminating who gets chosen or not. So far, that's where we're at. But I do think that AI is definitely going to be helpful and make us more efficient when it comes to the work that we do with the hiring process. And on the flip side, where people who are looking for opportunities, looking for jobs, AI can be helpful as well, for sure, when it comes to making sure that you have the best resume, making sure that you track your, the different opportunities that you apply for. There are some great tools out there for you know job tracking uh, software, making sure that the person is on top of every single thing that they've applied for, interviewed for, and kind of organizing the, all of that and not just doing that on an Excel spreadsheet, for example, like we used to do um, back in the day. So things like that, making sure that you can prep interviews. There's a lot of tools for people who want to prep into video interviews who are not too sure they can video themselves. And then the AI kind of gives its opinion on the, the interview. I've seen that and that was very cool to see. So there are some tools that people who are looking for opportunities can use as well on the flip side. What do you think some of the biggest challenges are then for job seekers over the next few years? 
So I have to be realistic. The biggest is competition for sure. Right now, even though we are in, in Canada, you know, we're still looking for all types of opportunities. Opportunities are very much out there. Different organizations, even today, this morning, there's an organization that reached out to me knowing who in our database who is looking for an opportunity would be interested in a position. So that's, there are a lot of opportunities out there for people, but there are a lot of people out there looking for opportunities as well. So I think for people who are looking for jobs, making sure that you know how to not differentiate yourself, but you know who you are as a professional, you're able to bring that to the table. You're able to bring your whole self to these conversations. You're able to distinguish which company is a fit when it comes to values or not, so that you are able to look at and spend your time looking at those opportunities that are a fit for you and vice versa. Is it still true that most opportunities are never posted or, or publicized? Yeah, that's still a thing. <laughs> it is, it is. That's why I always start everything with, you should network, you should start having conversations, you should start looking at who do you know that knows who and, and things like that. It is still true because even though at the end of the process, a job gets posted on LinkedIn, but a lot of times there are conversations happening prior to that within the organization. They open up the conversation to who do you know that would be able to fill this position within the organization. There's a lot of organizations that still give a bonus to people who can recommend people that they know within, you know, if you have a friend that can come and work and has, can fill this position and has a great fit for this position, people still get a bonus for that. So this still happens for sure. So for somebody who is looking for a similar job to the one they have, something in the same industry, how long does it typically take for people to find their new, next, new, wonderful opportunity? I would say that it would take four to six months for someone in a real job search. They're really going at it every single day. They're spending time having those conversations, applying to opportunities, getting those interviews, et cetera, four to six months. But I, when you were looking into, you know, October, November, you should, that would be the time that it would be maybe three months because that's just when it comes to the time of the year, for sure. When it's summer, things are a little bit slower, but things kind of start moving for sure. What about somebody who's in an industry or in a field that's slowly being replaced or is becoming redundant? And we've heard about this in you know some of the places where our financial literacy volunteers work and they can see mm -hmm. this building. What questions should they be asking to try to figure out how transferable their skills are or what they should do as their next steps? It's self-assessment is probably number one. That's the, they want to make sure that they start by evaluating their current skills, their knowledge, their experience, making sure that they know what their core skills and strengths are. And there are a lot of different assessments out there. In our organization, we use SuccessFinder, but there's a lot of them out there. Making sure that they know what their transferable skills are and what can be applied to what industry, what specific expertise they might have for the different contexts. Because sometimes there are specific expertise within their context, their industry, but they can bring it along to 
into another industry. And again, wanting to know what you're excited about, what you're motivated to continue doing. There's that too, because it makes no sense to kind of look at all those skills, those transferable skills, but you don't want to continue doing that. That should be on the list as well to look at that. But that's the first thing I would share with someone to kind of do a self-assessment, see what are those skills and that knowledge and experience that can be transferred, those very core current skills and strengths, and then kind of move from that. And then researching the new industry, exploring those industries, which industry align with their interests and values. What are some projects maybe that they can accept or volunteering they can do in these different industries just so that they can get their freeway and see what it's really about. That's something that can, they can be done as well, just to see the reality of the situation. What are some of the emerging fields? Because of course, there are things that are ending industries that are kind of slowly disappearing, but there are new industries and things that are kind of coming up. We talked about AI a lot today, but one job that I've never seen before that I started seeing are chat GPT coordinators. That's a new thing <laughs> that, you know, just AI coordinators or people who can enter prompts into different AI systems and then get out information and fill data and things like that. That's new. And someone might be interested in that. So that's what I'm talking about when it comes to new fields or new jobs happening. Again, the other day I was talking to my daughter and she was asking me how I became a coach and how I decided in high school that that's what I wanted to do. And I had to tell her in high school, there was no such thing. <laughs> I had no idea that that was a, even going to be a field that somebody could go into and when, you know, back in the nineties, <laughs> that was not a thing. So that's the same thing. It, we keep going and evolving. And as an employee, as a brand ourselves, we have to keep growing and evolving and seeing what's out there, identifying those skill gaps, filling those skill gaps to where we want to go. So that's our job to do that, to, to continue being a, a value uh, for sure. You know, I think all of us know people who've lost their jobs in various situations and then going through all the difficult emotions, et cetera, that mm -hmm. you talk about. And in the end, they'll say, it's the best thing that ever happened yes. to me. How often does that happen? 99.9% .9 of the time. It's true. It's true. For some reason, people always, after the fact, they're like, this is the best thing that would, should, could have happened. However, the situation ends up where they get the perfect opportunity corporate, or they become consultants, or they become entrepreneurs. A lot of things can happen. I work with so many different people in the career coaching side of things that I've seen it all when it comes to that. But people are usually, they're very grateful for the experience, but after the fact, <laughs> for sure. A lot of times that's how it goes. People are very happy to move on and see that it was time for them to move on, even if they weren't expecting it, for sure. Well, that covers everything I thought we were going to talk about. Is there anything I didn't ask you that you'd like to talk about? So one thing that I wanted to share kind of as a closing of what we, we've all talked about and all these questions that we kind of pondered on today is making sure that people, when they're going through this change, we talked about taking it easy for ourselves, making sure that we're open to the opportunities, et cetera, but also being realistic and open-minded, open being honest with our 
emotions, being honest about the challenges that we're facing, because it's not an easy thing at all, but kind of looking at it with open eyes, if I can put it like that, an open mindset for sure. And asking for help, asking for support. It's not a bad thing to do on the contrary, even if it's not from immediate family members, because sometimes it's just easier to talk to someone else outside of our friends and family about things like that, about our career and job search, etc. So asking for some support, that's really something that I urge people to do. Well, thank you so much for this. This has been fascinating. Perfect. It's my pleasure. I think people will really learn a lot from this. Thank you for having me. If you'd like to hear more from Pat about the future of work, join us at CPA Canada's Mastering Money Conference, November 9th and 10th in Calgary. You can learn more about the conference by following the conference link in the resource section of this podcast episode. You've been listening to Mastering Money from Chartered Professional Accountants of Canada. You can click to all the resources mentioned in this episode in the description for this podcast in your podcast app. Please rate and review us. And if you'd like to get in touch, our email is financialliteracy at cpacanada.ca. This season's proudly brought to you by Pivot, CPA Canada's member magazine and the most award-winning B2B publication in Canada. Email pivot at cpacanada.ca today to subscribe. Please note, the views expressed by our guests are theirs alone and not necessarily the views of CPA Canada. This is a recorded podcast. The information presented is current as of the date of recording. New and changing government legislation and programs may have come into effect since the recording date. Please seek additional professional advice or information before acting on any podcast information. Be well, be kind, and remember, fortune favors the prepared mind.